Welcome to episode 18 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jenkins. And we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? Yeah. Yeah. So, Hour of Devastation has released. It's true. The hour has come. Yeah, apparently. And there's a lot of hours. There's like the hour of promise, the hour of this, the hour of that. And with all of these hours come... <laughs> the hour of thinking you could take on a god, but then <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> um, comes the full list, and now our review of Hour of Devastation. Um, did you go to any tournaments? No, sir. I've been a busy bee. <laughs> yeah. I I went to a release that was also a PPTQ over at Wild Pig Comics. Um, PP. Did not do well. Oh, I'm sorry, Did buddy. not do well. Got a sweet pull, which we'll talk about momentarily. Um, but my deck was just slow. The sealed format is very quick. Yes, it with is. With all the exerts and all of this like very heavy aggro. Um, so colors that you want to draft or get right. in a sealed red, green, black would be like, yeah, red, green, black, um, maybe certain white, mm-hmm. but like really like the red, green, sweet zone is what you want. It's a, I forget what the, the acronym is, but it's like, you know, flying bombs, so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, um, I was white, blue because that's what I had. Uh, That's always an unfortunate yeah. thing. <laughs> I probably could have gone white green, maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. done slightly better. But my pulls and the pool that I had just it made me think white blue was the better choice. Um, I won only my second game. I only played. I only stayed for three. There were six rounds. First round, wow, I, six rounds. Yeah, it was a lot of people. Holy crud! Yeah. Um, and I would, they, I would think for the sake of time, it was it was, was it was six rounds, and they were cutting to top eight. So after six rounds, top eight would have had to do a draft immediately afterwards, and then play for the top eight places. You can't see this, but I'm making a face and <laughs> just like, oh my god! Yeah, it was it would have been long and grueling. I, I suppose it is a PPTQ, so yeah. that makes sense. It's not just like a normal like fun little right. weekend event. So I was. I wasn't going to stay after losing twice. Mind maybe, you... Maybe we should explain to our viewers, our listeners what PPTQ means. Preliminary Pro Tour Qualifier. Okay. Um, as opposed to the Pro Tour Qualifier. <laughs> as opposed to the Pro Tour. That would be the steps to getting to the Pro Tour. You go to a PPTQ, um, and then if you win, you go from there to a PTQ. Now... There are other ways to get invited to a PTQ or just to go to a PTQ. In fact, they might even be open. Um, but I think winning a PPTQ might earn you, you a buy you first round. Yeah. Um, or even well, second. But point is, is that... Depends on how many uh, points you have, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you can, you know, obviously get a shot at going on the Pro Tour. Um, yeah, so I went. And I wasn't going to... If I lost twice, could I have technically won the last <laughs> three rounds? And if with certain drops, still made top eight... Maybe, maybe, but I didn't feel like dropping. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like staying out for the for the duking it out. I just didn't feel like it. Did you go to Bearded or was this at uh, this is Wild Pigs? Wild Pigs. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I just like I said, I lost the first, won the second, and I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. And then the third one, I was just like, you know what, this is just gonna. I just didn't have didn't have it, speed. The morale is definitely. Um, the morale must be low at that point. Or yeah. it's just like, uh, I just wanted my, my free pack for entering even, and I even left. Though, even though technically you would have been grouped against people who had had a similar, uh, yeah, I just, like I said, I just didn't feel like duking. I didn't feel like duking it out just to be told that I didn't make top eight. Yeah, I can see that. You know? Um, so anyway, with that being said, I've had, I've had pretty good, a pretty good reference point for the set in terms mm-hmm. of how it plays. Um, and that kind of leads us to our review. Um, overall, 
Hour of Devastation, I'm mixed. I really am. I'm a little mixed myself. Um, there's there's definitely some cool cards, mm-hmm. but nothing really like strikes me as like this is because uh, whenever I look at I look at a set, I think to myself, what are Jenga's cards? You know, what are cards that appeal to my play style? Summit the tested. Yes, you know. <laughs> there's a the there's red a, green planeswalker. <laughs> there's definitely a red green planeswalker. That you can not only give something double strike, which is right up your little uh, <laughs> your little crazy Prasha deck alley, but on top of that, the ultimate is search your library for up to two creature and or planeswalker cards and put them onto the battlefield. And she starts at four. Yeah, and that's a seven for the ultimate. Yeah. And then her minus two is she deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures or players. That ability, not my favorite. No? I mean, it's okay. For two Two for two damage yeah, just seems... it's a bit much. Yeah, I know you get the division. Walker. I don't think you'd ever use her for her two. You, I think, really, you'd put her in an aggro deck, use her for the double strike, and then hope to pop that ultimate. I mean, it's nice, because she's only a four drop. Right. You know, it is nice to, you know, if there's, like, some some kind of weenie or something, you know, that you could just pop off. Yeah, but or, I mean, think of it like... I, I think of it like a Johnny Vengeance. He's also four, and his minus two is a lightning helix. Deal three, heal three. Well, Dave, they're trying to be a little bit better with balancing these cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that for me, the big card of the set, obviously, was uh, the new Nickel Bolas. Um, he is pretty nasty. Yeah, which I don't know if we covered him before in a previous cast during spoilers, but Nickel Bolas Godfarrow has four abilities. He's a seven-drop Grixis. He has seven loyalty when he comes in. His first ability for plus two... Target opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. Until end of turn, you can then cast that card without paying its mana cost. That alone is fucking awesome. Plus one. Oh, I should mention. Four, did I say four abilities? Four abilities. Plus one. Um, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. Each opponent. In yep. ma- multiplayer games, that's... Awesome. That's just disgusting. <laughs> yep. Minus four. Uh, he deals seven damage to target opponent or creature that the opponent controls. And then his ultimate at a minus 12, um, which he can get in feasibly, what's that, four turns to get to ultimate? Three uh, turns of plus twos and or uh, two plus twos and a plus one. Yes, and I, then I do believe so. And then the ultimate, yeah. So four turns and you get the exile each non-land permanent your opponents control. Multiple opponents. Opponents control that means that's the ultimate cyclonic rift (laughs) um i love him i think he's great as for the rest of the set the gods um they're interesting concepts we talked about them earlier yeah we talked about them in the last cast Uh, well let's Uh, move to the other cards um they're okay eternalize in general um raza kef is cool because he's a he's a vamp tutor uh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I gotta say, like, for me, I'm not, I'm still not thrilled about cycling. I don't think I'll ever be a fan of cycling. I think deserts are a waste of time at a limited right now. Um, Probably, unless, like, bleh. I just don't think deserts are a thing. No. Um, maybe, maybe a, I'm wrong. It was a fun con, it's a story, it's a lore, very lore heavy concept. Right, but I just, um, I just don't feel like that's a thing. Um, but I, like I said, I think Eternalize is interesting. Um, not my favorite mechanic though, because I find that most of the eternalizes are so overly expensive that I'm just like, this is something you do if you literally have nothing else to do 
and it just happens in your graveyard. There's not many of these creatures that I'm just like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna totally eternalize this thing. Like <laughs> I, I just not. It's not a mechanic I'm fond of because of the cost. Um, I think the best mechanic in here that seems to be easily broken in the future will definitely be Afflict. Uh-huh. Um, Afflict is nasty. And Afflict is what made the limited format so quick between that and Exert. Oh, really? Well, because first you have Exert, which it's just like with the Amonkhet packs, you're pulling creatures that exert to just pump themselves to ridiculous amounts. But then Afflict, it's just some of these Afflict cards, it really gives you, for those of you that don't, haven't seen Afflict yet, Afflict is an ability on a creature. It has a number. Like, for instance, I'm looking right now at, say, uh, Eternal of Harsh Truths. He is a great blue uncommon in Limited. Um, he's two colorless, one blue. He's a 1-3 zombie. He has a flicked two. What that means is whenever this creature becomes blocked, the defending player loses two life. So he has a power of one, but if you choose to block him, yes. you're taking two. Then his ability is whenever he's unblocked, you draw a card. That is... So it's either your opponent takes a ping for one <laughs> and gives you a card... Or chooses to block. And he has a back end of three. So early in the game, he might not be something you could trade with. You might have to block him and take eat that too just to prevent your opponent from drawing that card. That's some crazy advantage right there. Yeah. So I, I think Afflict has a possible future. Um, I like the concept. I don't know where it will go. But I mean, like it's it's really great. I mean, another another really. Well, I'm just looking at blue cards right now. I'm just <laughs> scrolling down. I'm, I'm in I'm in order by color. But Spellweaver Eternal. It's a common. Same thing. Um, one blue, one colorless. It has a flicked two. It's a two one. Um, so none of so no matter what you're like, oh, they're gonna take two no matter what. Not true. It also has prowess. So like, they can block if you like pump them a lot. But no matter what, they're still taking that two damage. <laughs> There's some pretty nasty black cards in there, too. Yeah. Um, like, I was looking at Torment of Hailfire, mm -hmm. which is uh, X uh, black black, and then it's a sorcery, but repeat the following process X times, each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. Right. Which is, like, pretty heavy in a multiplayer game. All of the Torments are, are, are pretty nasty. I mean, the other Torment, Torment of Venom... Uh, two black, two colorless. Put three minus one minus counters on target creature. Its controller loses three life unless they sacrifice another non-land permanent or discard a card. Um, not something I necessarily play in a in a deck unless I'm like running some kind of crazy counter deck, um, where you know plus minus one minus one counters are you know doing things for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. but still, it's an instant speed card, a pseudo kill, and unlimited. I faced off against it. It was pretty. It was pretty good. The only thing that I just happened to stop it with was in my pool. I ended up getting Solemnity. Um, Solemnity is a white card, one white, two colorless. It's an enchantment that says players can't get counters and counters can't be put on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. Oh, that's not bad. It's really interesting if, if you're playing somebody that's running like an EDH and on a Fenza deck. Oh, you know what that's pretty interesting against is Kaladesh cards. It's interesting against anything that runs counters. Yeah. Think of like... Yeah. Cards that you have that it like put a plus one plus one counter on this. It's like yeah. no more. Your <laughs> well, doubling season. Oh, sucks. Doubling season doesn't matter because nobody can get counters anymore. Well, I do most mostly process mainly. To, if, I know. If it was uh, my other deck, then yes, right. <laughs> if it was, uh, oh my god, I forget his name. Oh, I'm the worst. 
I forgot my child's name. <laughs> Long story short, um, Throwmock, the Unsatiable. Yes. Um, I think Afflict is a great ability. That's probably my favorite thing of the set. Um, Nickel Bolas was a great planeswalker. And all in all, I just, I mean, I'm mixed. A lot of these cards, I'm just like, eh. And uh, it's not, nothing Nothing in here is screaming out to me like, hey, this is going to change the game in a bunch of formats. They're just fun cards. Um, <laughs> that's what we all say. Until someone Until breaks. someone does it, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. oh my god, remember this card from Hour of Devastation? Oh, it's so totally broken. It's remember worth- the Ruin Rat? It's- the 1-1 Death <laughs> Touch Rat that when it dies, you exile a card from an opponent's graveyard? Now it's worth $20. <laughs> it's a common. <laughs> but yeah, uh... We'll see what happens, but all in all, I I really do think the ability afflict is probably the the best thing to come out of this set. Um, that and nickel bolus, yeah. Um, outside of that, I'm for the most part just I'm satisfied, but I'm not overly excited or like I don't feel the need to go out and buy more hour of devastation. It's not, it's not making you go like, hey, I want to play standard right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's me for an hour. What about you? I mean, eh, I'm similar feelings. Yeah, it was, like I said, there wasn't really anything there that like wowed me. Um, the previous, minus nickel bolus. My, I mean, I, I don't, I don't play nickel bolus. Doesn't matter. It didn't wow you. It wowed me. I mean, I'm more like man. I want to find a way to deal with that. That's what I was technically Liliana's um, demise. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's so, a one, one, one kill a planeswalker. That's black. <laughs> that kills nickel bolus. So Samut's good. Um... I don't know. She's very specialized, though. Excuse me, Liliana's defeat. Yes. <clears throat> so I don't know where I would find a, a place for her in one of my decks. But beyond that, everything else is kind of like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, more Hydras are nice. I have to say... Desert-based. Uh, one um, other card that does stand out, though, that I have a feeling will come to play in a lot of decks in interesting ways, um, is the Ramanop Excavator. It was the promo card for the release... Um, if you went to a release, you get a promo version of it. It's the three drop, one green, two colorless, two three Naga Cleric green. Um, its ability is you can play land cards from your graveyard. Oh yeah, that is that's something that's probably going to come into play. That's that's going to be a contender at some point <laughs> for um, uh, dredge decks or something like that. Yeah, may, I could see it possibly in dredge, maybe in some form of lands eventually. I don't know. Yeah. I just see that being a card to. That's probably a card to get while it's cheap because I have a feeling that card will do something later. Yeah, just like buy a playset now and you know sit on them for yep. a little bit. Yep. Um, and then like I'm I'm really more excited for the next set. I want to see Ixalan. Ixalan? I yeah. want dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> I want my Naya dinosaur. You commander. know, it, just to, just real quick. So there are those. You know, still I, there's been no word from Wizards whether or not those. That foil sheet is actual Ixalan cards. But for for argument's sake, let's just say that they are. If you look up one of them, um, one of the cards, and it was something that somebody... I can't take credit for this combo. I, I read this combo online, and I was like, geez, I should really buy these cards now because it just seemed like a great modern combo. Um, but it's, it's this one card coming out in Ixalan. It's an enchantment. That's sort of like the old Black Enchantment Conspiracy, yeah. except it's one blue and two colorless, and it essentially says you pick a creature type and all the cards, all the creature cards that you have in play, as well as all the cards in your deck, are now that creature type. Whoa. Right. Which is what Conspiracy did, and that was a five-drop black card. Um, however, what I've also found interesting is there's this card from Cons. Let me see if I can remember the name. It might be... Dragon Tempest? 
Dragon Tempest. I could be making that up. Nope, that's the exact name. Look at that. <laughs> I am so good. It's from Dragons of Tarkir. It's a two-drop enchantment that says, whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control, it gains haste until end of turn. But its second ability is, whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. Ooh. Okay, you ready for this? Turn two. I mean... Whatever turn, yeah. but turn turn whatever you if you if possible turn one. But I mean, you play Dragon Tempest at some point. Mm-hmm. You then play that blue change up card. Blue red is a great powerful combination of colors, so you can search and counter and burn and do other things in the meantime while you get your combo out. Mm-hmm. Once that's out, you just drop a hand of Memnites and Ornithopters, <laughs> and every time one of them comes out, it's a dragon and deals X damage to target creature or player equal to the number on the field. So you drop one Memnite. First, that's one damage. Yep. Then you drop a second one, that's uh-huh. two. The third one, that's three. All and right. scales with every single one that comes up. So you just drop a hand of zero drop creature, creatures once your combo's out. And they said potentially in a single hand, I think they said you could deal potential like 21 damage by turn four. Yeah, the math seems about right. Right? Yeah. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> like if you had those two creatures out and then turn four, if, if you had a, you could probably do even more than that if you had a hand of seven yeah, that's zero quite, drops. That's quite the hand, though. <laughs> um, but even still, that's that's the combo. Yeah. And I was just like, I could see that being a very quick modern combo. Uh, that's a lot more luck than I feel like modern base itself. On. It is, and there's a lot of like you know a lot of. Um, pyroclasm type cards that can just wipe the field before you get a chance. You'd have to you'd have to drop them all on your turn and hope they don't have an instant response. Pretty much. Yeah. Um but even still, I feel like it's a possibility if they don't have if they don't have that response in hand. Hey, let's keep an eye out. Yeah. I Maybe mean that'll show up. I it, it tempted me enough to where I'm gonna probably buy a place at a Dragon Tempest just in case. Just in case. Just in case. What's the what's the price on that right now? Dragon Tempest? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's look it up. Let's, let's go to MTG Goldfish. Goldfish. MTG stocks, my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. That's where you look. <laughs> MG, MTG stocks is a website that not only shows you the current price of cards, but also shows you the trend over the past couple of years of how it's grown and waned and everything else. Um, it is like a stock market website for... $2.09. I'm interested to see if since the since that combo release oh, yeah. where it's gone. It is spiked. <laughs> It's all-time high is three ninety four. It's all-time low is fifty four cents. Um, it spiked somewhere. It's grown steadily since. It looks like, uh, not Kaladesh. What was right? Aether Revolt. Um, right around Aether Revolt, it started to spike, and it's just it hasn't been a huge spike, but it's just gone up a couple cents, like over the past couple months. Yeah. But it hasn't, I mean, its biggest hit was right when Dragons came out. It was a $3 card. Because um, people were like, hey, I got Dragons in my deck. Surprisingly, the foil right now is $14, which is interesting. Mm. I have a feeling that this the, the price, <laughs> it might just start just climbing more and more, depending on... Uh, yeah, I saw. Fascinating, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Good website. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I like this one. Um, so yes, our devastation. Yeah, it's a it's a set. <laughs> <laughs> it's a set. It is a set. Yeah, I mean it's 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 good. 
Uh, thankfully, there's no cars in there that are uh, outright broken uh, from the that we can see. That we can see. That we can see. Please <laughs> don't hold us to that. But then um, someone's like, "Are you kidding me? You didn't see the the two drop card?" <laughs> it's like, listen, just rule listen coming to out. Me. Like, listen to me. We get it. We get it. Right. You can only do so much. Just making noise, knocking things over. That's right. Um, but it, overall, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a good set. It's got some solid cards. It sounds like a very interesting limited format. It's not a limited format we haven't unseen. Um, that's not. <laughs> but uh, but overall, it's just not like, like I said, there's no cards there for me, for me as a player that I'm like, Mind I want to summit. Yeah, I want to summit. Yes, I, I know. Um, uh, you know, like like looking at Ixalan, even the cards we saw that may or may not be real from that foil sheet excites you more than ex- our exactly. Yeah. Like a Naya dinosaur T Rex legendary tribal commander. Like, come on! <laughs> <laughs> and then you can use that blue card and make everything. No, you can't in a Naya yeah. deck. But anyway, um, yeah. Moving forward, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about my, my pull luck recently. Yeah. How, how'd that go for you? Well, first, since we brought it up, well, I went to the PPTQ. Yes. Um, but that was actually the end of... Well, no, that was the middle of the poll luck. So well, I had three very lucky polls. Um, let's start at the beginning. Starting at the beginning. So um, there's a shop. The a shop We haven't featured a shop on our podcast in a little while. So I figured uh, this month the shop to feature would be Comics and N Toys. That's the letter N. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's Comics and Toys? River's Edge, New Jersey. River's Edge? Yeah, up by Hackensack. Huh. In Bergen County. Uh, um, Comics and Toys is a great shop. It's a mess. If you're a neat freak, don't go in. <laughs> because the store is literally just like, it's all over the place. I almost, I'm always tempted when I go in. I love that shop. And I'm always tempted every time I go in to just be like, do you need part-time work of organization? <laughs> um, because there's just stuff everywhere. But it's because it's a small. I mean, let me put it this way: if you, how does this size compare to something like New World manga? Much smaller. Really? Probably. If you were to, I mean, this is not. This is a visual more for Jengus than my audience right now. But um, if you were to put a wall at the edge of where Thor's hammer is in my basement, yes, we're standing in the main portion of the store, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, not big. No, not big at all. Maybe, 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 maybe the stairs. Okay. It's hard for me to describe to all of you, um, but Jengis knows. It's a room. It is like a room. <laughs> it has a back room that they go for their like tournament plays. Oh. But in terms of its product, that's like the space. It's not the smallest magic store I've seen. I'll be honest. It's tiny though. It feels tinier because of how much stuff is in there. And let me tell you, if a store is measured, I heard this a long time ago. Apple stores were considered the um, highest grossing, like best retail stores on the planet. And I figured out how they measure that is by um, – Dollar amount of sales uh-huh. per square inch of store. Oh, that's so why th- Apple stores are so small because they have such expensive items, yes. and it's measured by square footage. Seems small. <laughs> well, they've grown over time, but if you think of an Apple store versus like a Best Buy for electronics or oh, something, hundred yeah. percent, it is ten times smaller. Yeah, it means it's more successful. 
even if the sales like it's weird that they they do it that way but my point being is if that's how you dictate sales i'm sure that comics and toys is probably thriving because they have so much product in such small space anyway of things that comics and toys sell um they sell obviously comics and toys but you don't say yes but collectibles of all sorts. So anything from new magic cards and, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and stuff like that. And obviously toys like, you know, new toys and figurines. But also they collect anything and everything. They have used video games there. Ooh. They have used figurines. So they have like, you know, those like Mego figures. Really? Like the Mego like Batman toys? Yeah. Like they have like, they they will buy anything and resell it if it is a collectible. They have bins of just loose figures that are not in mint condition and not in box that you can buy for random prices. What a, like, what a very interesting story you found there. Yeah, like for instance, like if you think back to your childhood and you go, oh man, I remember when I played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and had this really sick Michelangelo toy. It's probably in the bin there. Yeah. It's wild. There are Megazords. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've got Megazords. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. Everything. It's it's shocking how much they have. But they also have little gems because of how much they have. For instance, like the San Diego Comic-Con promos from a couple years ago, the ones that were completely black. Yeah. They had those. Ooh. And I was like, oh, hey, look at that. Really pricey. Um, they were at the time that I saw them, yeah. yeah. Among other things, and this is all leading up to the polls, they sell packs, sealed packs of older sets of magic. Like uh, like Portal? Or like, like Portal, Stronghold, Homelands, Weatherlight, like... It takes Starter ninety nine takes me back <laughs> right. Dark Steel Torment Ice Age. I don't think they had Ice Age when I was there, but they they have a lot. Mm. Um, so every time I go, I'm always tempted to just sort of like test my luck, increase my stock of older cards because I don't have these commons and uncommons of certain sets that are old. So it's not really a, a losing situation, but sometimes the the packs can be pricey. Yeah, I was gifted from my wonderful aunt. Um, Four packs of Stronghold. They were $20 packs. Wow. But Stronghold is a great sect pack because there's a lot of things in there. The most expensive card being a Mox Diamond. The second most expensive being Ensnaring Bridge. And then there's a couple others in there that are pretty pricey as well. Mm-hmm. Mox Diamond being an $80 card on average. Really? Yeah. How'd you know that? Well, because I looked up what I wanted to buy and I flipped through all the rares. And I saw that that was like the chase rare of the set. Mm-hmm. Ensnaring Bridge is about half of that, about 40 bucks. So I bought, so, well, she bought the four packs for me. I was very, very, so wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, I came home, I opened them up. The first one I got like a, like a 50 cent rare. It was like a reigns of power. And I was like, oh, oh I got this again. Then I opened up Mox Diamond. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no shit. Look at like, that. You've made all your money right. back. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, all of her money back. Yeah. But yes, um, I was, I was ecstatic. It was the card I wanted. And there it was. And I was like, damn. That's some luck. Yeah. What'd you get on the other two? Uh, some a couple other like dollar rares. All nothing, right. nothing big. Um, still, eight dollar card. Yeah, right there. There it is. Mox time, a card I've wanted forever, but just out of price range. And boom, there it is. Um, flat. Uh, fast forward to the release over uh, wait, at Wild are, are Pigs. You, are you gonna put it in a deck? I already did the Mox Diamond. Oh, yeah. it's already in a deck. Forget oh, it. It's right. done. Yeah. And I pulled it and I was like, it's going in. Uh, it's in my Boros Partner Artifact deck. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, flash forward to the release. The release. Um, 
I'm opening my packs. It was four packs of Hour of Devastation, two packs of Amon Ket. I open up my first pack of Amon Ket. This is a, since this was a sanctioned PPTQ, there was a judge there, like an official judge, and we had to do things by the book. So you had, we to, can, you had to write down your entire deck. No, and, your no? partner, right? Yeah, you, your partner's yeah, deck. You yeah. Ha- but first you have to flash your cards in front of your partner to make sure every deck you open is a valid pack of magic with the correct amount of commons, uncommons, and rares. <laughs> Here's a fact I didn't know. Fun fact, side story. So most packs come with 10 commons, um, four uncommons, and one rare for the total of the 15 cards. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know was that if you're getting a hollow in your pack, it replaces a common. So if you ever want to like know before you look, like if you have a hollow in your pack, if, you've, if you're fanning cards one by one from the beginning and you count only nine commons... You pulled a holographic card, yeah, my but, friend. But we always pull from the, we always fan from the back, Dave. No, I always go from the front. Really? I like to do Willy Wonka style. You know, getting that golden ticket. I like All to just right. like be like, let me see what it is. Um, <laughs> I just like, you know what? This, this is it. It's good. Move on. Well, first pack I opened, boom. My, my first and only masterpiece, um, an Amonkhet invocation. While it wasn't an, inv- an invocation I necessarily wanted, I was still excited nonetheless, because I've never gotten a masterpiece before. Unlike some of us at this table, Jengis. Hey. With your Zendikar Expedition Land. <laughs> um it's I got the white god, Oketra. Oh. Yeah. Look at that. And I was like, and and everybody around me was like, holy shit. I was like, oh, look at that. And the guy was like, I've never seen one pull before. I was like, I've never pulled one before. Or seen one pull. Here it is. Golden tickets do happen. Charlie, go. Go home. Run home, Charlie. Run Run home, home, Charlie. You know, it's funny. And it's funny that this happened too. And this, you know, talking about my luck and whatnot. Because the last time I went to a PPTQ there, I hated what happened. When I was there last time, instead of it being your partner writing down what was in there, they had you write down, but then they packed switched. So like... You weren't keeping what you cracked. That's very sad. It was because I cracked awesome cards and in return got shit. So I remember feeling terrible. But I also remember hearing that if you dropped after pack crack, you kept the packs you had. Oh. So before going, I was like, I'm going to ask if they're going to do pack switch. And if I pull an invocation, I'm just dropping right there. (laughs) I am not going to pack switch an invocation. Um Luckily, no, they did this a much smarter way, which was you just show the packs to your opponent. Not your opponent, but the person sitting at the same table as you, your partner. Then you, then eventually you both switch the cards that you have. You write down each other's cards, then switch back. So you do end up keeping the cards that you crack. So I kept my invocation. Yeah. Still didn't win. Like I said, I wasn't didn't do too well because blue-white, and obviously white because of Oketra. Um, but I just... I, I was still like, okay, it wasn't a total loss. I got an invocation. You got the white god. Yeah. Then I get my box of hour of devastation. Uh-huh. The one and only card I wanted. What was it? Nickel balls. Got him. <laughs> there it is. So it was just like you know, I, some people didn't even get one mythic in uh, in an hour of devastation <laughs> box or no, a fat, fat bag. Well, I didn't get a fat bag. It was a box. <laughs> um, though I got nervous though because in my head I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if I only got one mythic in this entire box? I pulled one mythic. And I had five packs left in the box and hadn't pulled any others. And I was like, Ooh, boy. I was like, oh, I will write an a f- angry letter to Wizards of the Coast <laughs> if I only get one I am mythic. a long-time supporter of your product. I will, I will send them a picture of their odds and be like, I know these aren't exact, but this is ridiculous. Um, and then within those five packs, I pulled four other mythics. <laughs> 
<laughs> so and for a total of five mythics, which is above the curve, it's usually about I've, I've realized it's usually about four box unless you pull a foil mythic. And even then, none of them were foil. All five mythics were just plain. So I, I thought I did all right. Um, Sounds all right. Yeah, I got the Locust God, the Minotaur God. Um, I got the Hour of... Not the Hour of Promise. Whatever that thing is, the the, the, the Humility Curse. That like yes. turns all your creatures to one ones yeah, and everything else. I just don't have it available right now. And then I don't remember whatever the last mythic was, but whatever it was, it had to be underwhelming because I don't remember it. Mm. Um, so all in all, that was my luck recently. I just wanted to share my wonderful luck. <laughs> Embellish. Like, everyone look. Look at all the lucky things I've drawn. Because sometimes we have to think about things to talk of. And I'm like, let's just talk about how freaking lucky I got with my pulls. <laughs> Make everybody hate me. Unless you got lucky pulls, too. In which case, good for you. Join the club. Indeed. Um, moving on to the next thing. We discussed either last episode this or possibly this, the this episode is, I think before. It was two episodes before. We discussed that we had... We were going to change up the 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 game a bit for our big for, um, our sheriff co- our bang cowboy, cowboy com- commanders. Yes, um, by introducing uh, a little bit of flavor with our roll cards, having our roll cards have <laughs> certain abilities um, to change the state of the game and to make it a little bit more interesting in terms of who was what. It wasn't just about what are you. It was now about what ability is going to happen when you die, or what ability can you throw at me to change this game. So we. I printed out a couple um, ideas, that, um, not all of them, a couple, and for face value for what they were, we tried them. Yeah, and for for you know what, for an alpha test, yeah, it was actually pretty fun. I enjoyed. I thought it added it, to it, the game it a lot. Definitely mixed it up because then you didn't know it added a little extra level of like. And I think everybody agreed that we were going to do it again next time with just yeah. we were going to tweak it, tweak what we, we have, we, and we even add. Made, we even made some on the fly tweaks uh, right before the game started. Uh, just because certain things were uh, a little overpowered. <laughs> right. And then we even made or, even more tweaks after that. And yeah. you know what? I will tell you this. Once we're confident that it's um, playable, maybe on the Geek Aid website, we'll release the our version of the rules for this uh, Cowboy Commander. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little PDF printout if you want to print yeah, out your print own version of our proxies. And you can you can have the fun that we have. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Wizards will finally recognize us. And yeah. be like, hey, you guys are doing a thing. We're going to sue you. Oh. We're like, thanks, Wizards. But we didn't want money for it, Wizards. <laughs> like, we don't care. Intellectual property. And we'll <laughs> oh, be like, no. Oh, but we're your biggest critics. This was made in parody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, very successful. What were your thoughts on the roll cards personally? Um, I liked them a lot. Definitely, like, <clears throat> like I said, it added a little extra level of, like, uh kind of apprehension because you didn't know exactly what was going to happen mm-hmm. uh, at the when you kill someone. Yeah. Uh, I think the game I played, I didn't do too well myself. Uh, I think... <laughs> I, I don't believe I played well that those sets, but... Um, I think you won a game. Yeah, I won a game. We played a couple games. Well, like, you won a game. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I... That's what Prosh judge. Prosh either wins or he does not win. But like, but, like, I always judge how I do on one of our Magic Nights. Not if my team won, but I always want to win. Like, one game, I want the win to be because I did something yeah. that either, like, either directly helped give the win or I gave... Or I, I got the win myself. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's... I was that, you know, clutch counterspell that caused the final blow to land, 
or even if I was the final blow itself, that for me is a win of a game. Like that, that I'm like, okay, I did well tonight. I don't feel the same way if my team wins, but like if I was knocked out and just sitting like there. Duck. Yeah, it's kind of like pity prize, you know yeah. what I mean? And then I really don't feel good if I had neither helped a win <laughs> nor were on a winning team at all. Then I feel really shitty just about did it. Nothing. Yeah. Then I'm just like, oh, I gotta break every deck I own down and start <laughs> from scratch. He's like, no, this cannot stand. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I'm really competitive. <laughs> I think the, the most interesting was a renegade, uh, especially when Joe played it. Um, just because it was, uh, it was a during play, uh, card, mm. card flip. So you reveal to everyone that you're the renegade, uh, but you're allowed certain abilities that he used to his benefit. And I think he, he won that one, he right? He did. Yeah. He did. It was like, and who, whoever expects the Renegade to win. I mean, granted, Joe has won, as, and so have I. Had, we've, but Joe, more often than me, definitely, has won as the Renegade before based on just good deck choice. That's true. But it definitely, that roll card definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it interesting because I didn't feel, one thing I really liked about the roll cards, um, when we play our games, we deal, we used to deal our, our the basic roll cards out before picking our decks. So it used to be like if I got, say, an outlaw, I would look at my decks and I'd be like, okay, which of these decks is an outlaw deck? Or which of these decks is the renegade deck? Which of these decks is the sheriff deck? These roll cards freed me up a little bit. Maybe not so much with outlaw, but definitely with deputy and with renegade. I wasn't so like concerned with, like, does the mechanics of this deck work for this role? It was, with this ability, what decks can I choose? Because as Renegade, for instance, a standard Renegade deck that I play, I play uh, Perforos. Yeah. Because every time a creature it's, comes in, it's, it's, it's two it's, damage to it's everybody. AOE damage. Right. It's AoE damage, and eventually I can just figure out another way to take down the Sheriff if I haven't like already been hitting him or her and whatever, right? Yeah. But now, if I have a Renegade card, for instance, there's a Renegade card that gives like a... It's like a grab all the creatures and, and attack type card. <laughs> um, like an insurrection type deal. Now I can be like, okay, I don't need to play Perforos. I need to play the most like creature heavy deck I've got and then just use this roll card and just go nuts. You know what I mean? Like yeah, at the opportune moment. Exactly. So I did like that. I liked I thought it was very successful for a, an alpha test I and think I'm looking the, forward to doing it more. I think that the cards also uh they they represented their roles very well. They did. They had good uh, flavor. The, that that definitely helped. The it definitely was nice. Um, deputy cards help you know the sheriff. You know, or, helped the sheriff or somehow stunted some outlaws. Yeah. Outlaw cards weren't very powerful because outlaws are like powerful in and of their own. Yeah. Because um, outlaw, outlaws have the easy subjective. If you really think about it this way, like you could say in a game, it might be like you know a game of seven. It might be like three on three in a renegade. Like you know what I mean. But even then. It's not really an even split that way. Yeah. It's a bunch of outlaws that are going to go after the sheriff. <laughs> Just the sheriff. And everybody else has to try their best using cards that they have to save the sheriff. Which is a much harder thing than just being like, go. You know, if I've got if I've got kill if I've got Voltron deck, if yeah. all of the outlaws are playing because Voltron decks. It's the the outlaw has the clearest objective. Right. Just kill the sheriff. Everybody else, it's you have to just, you know, kind of 
deal, which makes it harder for the deputies. It, it makes does. it harder for the renegade. So that's why the outlaw cards, we made sure they were the least powered. Um, next level of power then obviously came deputies. And yeah. then the most powerful card is the renegade. Now, originally, before starting, we determined that the renegade card was going to be the only card that you could reveal at any time to play your ability because the renegade no, needed that. There's no point for the renegade to play their card when they die. Right. The renegade, it's just more of a, I need to turn this to make it into a possibility of winning. Here's a card that will help me do that. The deputies, um, though, originally were on death, but then some of them, based on what they did, we changed to a flip reveal. Some with turn restrictions. It became interesting. Mm -hmm. well, um, it's because, like, you know, the the power base of the, the good side, quote-unquote, goes down heavily when it, when a deputy dies. It does. And especially if the outlaws aren't even targeting the deputies and they're only going for the sheriff, mm -hmm. the deputies need something to do. So that's why making them flip was the, you know, the best way to go about it. Yeah. Um, all in all, successful. I agree. Uh, I'm excited for round two. Me too. Uh, and like I said, please look forward to the future. Um, one of my many promises, hopefully this is a truthful one, uh, <laughs> that hopefully I, I think this is more feasible than our... Because we already have a prototype. Yeah. <laughs> this is more feasible than most other things. But... Uh, yeah, we release it now. Yeah, we could. We want to balance it and it. we want to make it nice. Yeah, we want to make it so it's ready. Yeah. Um, moving on to D and D. D and Dur. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the Unearthed Arcana. Of yeah, month. we only get one now. It's perfect. Okay. I don't want. I don't want to have to read more than one. Um, <laughs> um, I love D and D, but it was daunting to read like fifteen Unearthed Arcanas. I would just skim them and be like, "All right, I sort of understand this." Um, this one is called the Greyhawk Initiative, which. Got me more excited by the title <laughs> than when I read the Unearthed Arcana. Because like the Greyhawk initiative. I was like, is this an initiative where everybody's going to slowly transition back to the world of Greyhawk? And then that's not what that was. It is literally no, it's not. new rules for initiative in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, a variable initiative that changes round by round. Um, and the you roll... Your your initiative modifier is pretty much just nothing now. It's it's all based on your actions. It, and depending on the speed or perceived speed, roleplay speed of the action depends on the uh die that you were going to roll. And you want a lower initiative to go first. So for instance, the recommended tiers that they have, the fastest thing they have is a ranged attack. If you're going for a ranged attack, you're going to be rolling, a, I think it's like a D4. It is a D4. Yeah. And then after your uh, ranged attack, the very next thing that they have is they have a, where it's is it? It's three different actions. It's movement, swapping gear, or anything else that's not the next two. Right. And that's a D6. You roll a D8 for a melee attack, and then casting a spell is the slowest perceived action, so it's a D10. It kind of makes sense. It does, because you're spending that six whole seconds waving your arms and speaking your words, and then the spell's coming out. Whereas a ranged action, you know, you think Legolas, which is like a... You know? Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that melee is so slow. <laughs> but I guess I get that. Um, it's also, it also says, you know, it's, if you're going to do two things though, like for instance, if you're going to take your move action and your attack action, you have to roll both initiative dice. 
So if you're going to move, that's a D6. And then you're going to melee, that's a D8. You have to roll both the D6 and the D8 if you're going to move and attack. (laughs) It kind of makes sense because you're, you know, when you're just attacking, you're you're still on your feet, kind of. You're ready to move at any moment. Right. Uh, But when you have moved somewhere, you're kind of like, you have to regain your footing somewhat, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Reassess your situation. They have, there's other um, rules here. I mean, that's pretty much, that is literally the, that is it. That's pretty much the entire Unearthed Arcana is that in a nutshell. The rest of it is just explaining the system and giving examples. There are a couple variant rules that they add in of their own, though. One of them is a weapon speed where depending on the weapon might actually make it cost less. Just like a range attack is a D4 and D8 for melee. Well, you can replace it where, like, if... You it says it says the weapon rolls initiative dice equal to the damage dice rolled for the weapon. So if you're rolling something really bit, big, it, it makes a bit more sense that way. I do think it makes a bit more sense that way because there's no reason a melee attack with a dagger yeah. should be as slow as a melee attack with a bastard sword. <laughs> ah, um, I stab at you with my dagger. If I was going <laughs> to adopt this initiative, I would probably choose the weapon speed alternative. Um, in terms of melee and ranged attacks, because in my mind it just makes more sense. Does make sense. Um, the other interesting thing, and this isn't necessarily a variant rule. It's always kind of been there. It's just weird the way they're saying it. Is spell disruption? It says you can introduce the spell dis- uh, disruption rule under this rule if a creature wants to cast a spell and takes damage during the round before it can act. Um, it is restricted to casting cantrips on its turn. I think that's great. Because I feel like your focus, rolling a, a check to maintain focus in a spell, yeah. has kind of gone by the wayside in 5e, and the rules are there for it. There's even feats for it, if you get attacked in melee and mm-hmm. you know being able to hold on to concentration checks, essentially. Um, what's interesting about this is you're showing your hand. First off, you and your, you and your crew have to now think on an entire differently strategic level on exactly what actions you want to take because you may suffer because of your speed. Yeah. You don't want to go slow. Right. Then again, you might get real lucky. Maybe. But then on this, at the same time, the other thing that this does is it shows your hand beforehand. Because you know every turn, you're now showcasing your maneuvers to not only your other players, but to the DM. You, you know you're what? telling the DM like, hey... <laughs> I'm going to cast a spell. And it's like, well, these monsters are now going to go for melee attacks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're showcasing your initiative dice, telling what you're going to do beforehand. And even if if the DM picks their action at the same time, it's like, if I've picked melee, but I just saw you roll that D10 because you're going to be casting a spell, maybe I was going to melee attack, like, you know, Billy Goomba in front of me. But Billy now that Goomba. I but now that I clearly know that your next action is casting a spell, I'm going to go disrupt your spell instead. Mm. Yeah, I also like that uh, it forces the players to pick their actions uh, ahead of time. Yes, right. So you don't have to. You're not like, oh, what do I do? In some ways, I think this could speed up combat. In other ways, I think it could slow it down drastically. There's, yeah, there's, you're mixing instead of the the kind of like quick thinking of like I'm going to do this. Or it's not quick. You still have a carefully planned out action, but you have the time it takes to plan out that action. Right. It's just, I think the planning time is just in a different spot. Mm -hmm. As opposed to it being, oh, it's your turn, Billy. And you're like, all right, what am I doing? I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. 
Instead, everybody's already done that. We all decided what we're going to do. So the actual turn or round um, is quick. It's quick. Like, because you go, do, your do, dice do, have do, already do. determined the thing you're going to do. Yeah. But the lead up to initiative rolls um, is now where that extra time is going to go in. On the upside, that means everybody's doing it at the same time. So you're not, it's not like Billy thinks of what to do, then acts. Jamie thinks of what to do, then acts. Everybody thought of what to do, then act. Um, I like it. I like it too, but I don't think I would ever, uh, I don't think I would introduce it for first time players. I think I would. I might. Really? Maybe. They wouldn't know any different. They wouldn't know any different. You're right. But I feel like it's, it's definitely a lot to like dump on. I listen, I, I'm a big fan of this initiative change. Um, maybe the next time I play D and D might use it. <laughs> well, then we'll have to, we'll have to report back and tell everyone how it went. Word. <laughs> um, I highly recommend you check it out. Yes. On Arthur Arcana. Greyhawk initiative. Yeah. Very simple, easy. Moving on. Uh, next up on our list of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, we're going to play some Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you, uh, so if you haven't already listened to our little one shot uh, that Dave and Rocco did, because uh, I know you're still probably getting through it because it is a lot. Yeah. But- <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was a one shot, but that is that is it. You know, you can take your time with it, a four hour uh, or so little little one shot adventure but we figured it might be fun to also throw in a little quickie one shot um in addition to this being a quickie one shot we thought this would be a great time to review the now phase two and three dnd yes. beyond which i should mention after our last cast when i was like man i really thought that they were gonna <laughs> do next phase like the day after we recorded our cast they released the next two phases of D&D Beyond. Um, so D&D Beyond is now fully operational in terms of its beta test. Um, you can now create characters right there on the Dungeons & Dragons website. Uh, and it's pretty simple. It's not very customizable at the moment and only currently has SRD material. But when You can is, put homebrew material in, though. You can put homebrew material in. And when the full version is released... They do plan on not only it will come free with SRD content, but then for about 30 bucks a pop, you can shell out to add in the content, uh, content from the rule books that they have released. So you want all the player's handbook rules, you shell out 30 bucks. You want the DM rules, 30 bucks. Monster manual, 30 bucks. Um, can that get expensive? Yes. But I'll be honest, that's really not as terribly different than the... Um, the amount that I used to that Hero Lab used to charge. The yeah. only difference is, since Hero Lab can't use official content for Hero Lab, you only have to buy the core SRD, which is like thirty or forty bucks, and then everything else is a user created uh, <laughs> marketplace unofficial item. unofficial item that's just on a forum that a user created, which bypasses the uh, the legalities of releasing 5e content so really i have all the 5e content on hero lab already i probably will only use D beyond for myself in a situation where if like i'm at somebody's house i'm at our buddy joe's house and joe says let's play some D D. let's play some dirt and i don't have hero lab on me because hero lab doesn't really have a mobile character creation yet it has just a mobile character sheet that you can use um I would probably use D&D Beyond to create a character like that. However, if I'm here at my house, 
I will probably still use Hero Lab just because I don't have to pay for all the content. Understandable. Um, you know, I, 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 I when I uh, when we talked about doing this, I was like, oh, all right. Um, and, you know, Dave said try to use Hero D and D Beyond. I was going to write it out on paper, so I tried D and D Beyond. Uh, made the character last night. Um, all in all, it was it it guides you along each step. You know, step by step, like you need to do this, like a baby. It literally like, like a, a baby which, step by step which is great because you know if it, you if you are a baby it's fantastic <laughs> it makes it easier to keep your ducks in a row so to speak um like little babies <laughs> uh like i said not everything is there like you know i would definitely uh you'll see i i wish i could pick a a couple more options for my character but uh i think from what i from what i was able to create and the, the great character sheet it creates for you that you can expand the spell attacks and it gives you a description of what those attacks do, uh, I think it's really nice. Yeah. I I feel like for me... <clears throat> and plus, it's all online. So you just need a device that can go online to access it. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Like, I made it on my computer at home and I logged in on my iPad that I have in front of me and now I have the character that I created. Yeah. It is nice to have that all at the click of a button. But I will say, like I said, for me personally, um, if I'm home, I'll probably just print a paper sheet with Hero Lab, especially because I like to take notes. Um, I still like that pen and paper or, you know, pencil and paper feel. You can take notes here. Uh, I, I mean, notes like with a pencil quickly. Oh, yes. I understand. Um. And Hero Lab does print out descriptions of all the abilities with it, so it's not like I'm missing that aspect of it. Um, but I will say that if I'm on the go, if I'm not home and I didn't have time to prep, I will use D&D Beyond 100% um, because it's, it's convenient. Um, so anyway, as we said, there's a little quick review of D&D Beyond in terms of its beta form. But now, for your listening pleasure, <laughs> we're going to do a quick little one-shot. Think of uh, it like a radio show. <laughs> okay, so. Does it sound like I'm on an old-time radio? Um, Rest in peace. So, uh, Jengis, why don't you start by telling us your character's name so. and a quick description of... What they look like, and uh, I assume he, he? Yeah. What he looks like, and perhaps a, a little just tidbit. So, my character is Ketchy. That's K-E-C-H-I. Uh, Ketchy is a male tiefling, and surprise, surprise, he's a warlock. Mm. <laughs> um, I had never played a warlock before in D&D 5e, so I was actually like, oh, let's try this out. Uh, actually, it was actually a friend of mine that suggested I should try playing something because I was going to make a barbarian. I was by all means going to make another barbarian because I was like, I know it. Like, you should try playing something you don't know. I'm like, all right. So I made a warlock. Catchy the warlock. Catchy the warlock is. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, I, I did this because I was like, well, tieflings can be different colors, right? <laughs> um, you could tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Ketchy is uh, a blue-skinned tiefling. Interesting. With what, a, from what demon did Ketchy come from? That's a great question. One that I didn't give much thought to. Mm. Uh, actually, I don't know. Or devil, technically. Yeah. I should have probably looked that up. It's a, fine. A blue devil. A, bl- <laughs> a blue one. It was a blue one. Ketchy has uh, white hair, uh, red eyes. It's um, 5'10". <laughs> now I don't play warlocks a lot, and 
Perhaps you don't either. I don't. So let's uh, have a couple questions real quick. Okay. Um, for casting, they cast the way wizards do. They have components or a um, focus of some sort. Not that I'm aware. I, I have a packed weapon, but I believe just like it's just innate spell casting ability. Uh, similar to like a sorcerer, I believe. I don't have a... Even sorcerers have components. That's true. That's true. Like I said, I just made the character. <laughs> I believe but, warlocks, if I... I could be wrong. In fact, you know what? Like you would consult the compendium. <laughs> so. So. Are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Uh, well, I have to find the voice. Because... Uh, and mind you... Unlike the one shot you heard, um, if you did listen to Big Trouble in Little Leaf Shadow, um, the conclusion of this game will be less of a conclusion. Because just like most of our segments, talk show style, this will be something we can do ongoing. You know, when Jangus and I need to fill a, a D&D section and there's not much D&D going on. We're going behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right. But, okay, um, catchy. What did I say catchy was? Catchy was a little high-pitched, but he had a bit of a British accent. Are you trying to do a really bad Stewie? Because it sounds like a really bad Stewie. It's a really bad Stewie. <laughs> That's catchy. Ooh, yeah, oh, here Brian. Yes, this is catchy. Oh, yes, but I found Brian. him. But Brian, I am a warlock now. <laughs> I have a magical Ooh, yeah, weapon. Brian. <laughs> Brian. Yes, Yes. That's my I can always get in a stew if I just say Brian. Just, Ooh, Brian. Yes, Mr. Giraffe. Lick up all the marmalade. <laughs> it's time for a sexy party. <laughs> Brian, I'm going to be having one of my sexy parties. Uh yeah. So, uh if that's how you want Ketchy to speak, cool. Ketchy sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I'm I don't know if I told you about this. So I'm I'm rehashing something that I did a while back. Oh. Um but I didn't run you through it, and I want to see how you handle it. And I thought it'd be interesting for a little one shot. Uh, all right. So you wake up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you're. You feel. Do tiefling sleep? Inc- you wake up. Okay. Um. You feel incredibly cold. Oh. Um. There's a draft. You can't see it first until you have dark vision. I'm assuming. I have. All the dark vision. Yeah. <laughs> I have super um, dark it vision. It takes a second for your eyes to sort of just adjust. But when they do, and your dark vision's in full bloom, um, and you hear just the sounds of water dripping in the distance, you realize you are in a small stone room with just a little tiny basin that is used to do business. If you catch my drift. A chamber pot, if a you will. A chamber pot, if you will. <laughs> um, and not much wiggle room. We're talking maybe this room in total is a 10 foot by 10 foot square. There is a gate, a gated wall that leads to a hallway that is currently locked. Um, above you is a large magical symbol emblazoned on the ceiling, slowly pulsating and humming. You look down at your skin. You are bare minus a bit of a loincloth to cover yourself. <laughs> you have no <laughs> items on you. Okay. And there are no windows in this room. Huh. You are in a prison cell. I, I figured as much. Walking up to the prison cell and you hear the sort of tap 
tap tap against the bars as a sword slowly slides across them. Coming to a halt in front of your face, carrying a torch, is a man dressed in plate mail. And he just stares at you with a look of utmost contempt. I don't like him either. <laughs> so, you're awake. Yes, are you here to uh, bring me my breakfast, or is it lunch? Hmm. You have a sense of humor now. Let's see how you do after your execution. I'm quite, uh, execution? I don't know what joke you're trying to play this time, you trickster, you devil. But uh, I will tell you this. Regicide does not ever, ever condone jokes. You will be tried this afternoon, and I guarantee you, you'll be dead by tonight. Enjoy what time you have left. He walks away. As he says this, you try to scour your memories, and you find... I don't remember killing a Reggie. <laughs> um, you, find, you find nothing. Like, the last thing you remember, the very last thing you remember is you had just come to the capital city of Portalson. And in Portalson, you went to the inn. You had a room waiting for you. They knew you were coming. You had come from one of the outlying cities. You were a commanding officer, Ooh. respected of one of the nobles that worked directly under King Regis. There's your Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> and despite all of your nobility, and despite how well-seasoned you are as an adventurer, something has to have happened. Because the last memory you have of walking into that inn and having that room waiting for you went up to the room, and that's it. The next thing you know is this moment now, here in this cell. No items. Dark. Dank, not a good position. Okay. Um, so, uh, first things first, uh, I try to summon my packed weapon. And nothing happens. Okay. Uh, As you do that, the ring above you pulsates super brightly. Okay. Um, I can cast Detect Magic at will. You can. I detect magic. You try to cast it, and once again... That ring pulsates and so strong and nothing happens. I think that's inhibiting my magical ability. <laughs> Very well. Um, so uh, let me make a quick perception check just to see if there's something in this 10 by 10 uh, cell that I missed. Sure. So I have a plus zero. Roll an eight. Take that as you will. Your mind is so focused on other things right now, it's hard for you to sort of get the lay of the land, so to speak, what little land there is. Um, but at the last second, you see a rat scurry through a small hole by the chamber pot. I was a rat. Did I take that one ability? <laughs> Did I take speak with animals? Yeah. <laughs> Did I? It's a spell. Um, no, it's actually class feature 
Uh, there will be many of these awkward pauses as Jengis searches for his warlock. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't take it. All right. Um, I took all the things. Mm. But anyways, so uh, I try the I try the, the door. Oh, it's it is locked. Okay. These iron bars are thick. Is it is it this, a key? Let me put it this way: you. Mm, there is no key. Okay. There's no keyhole. That's what I meant. Um, the, while it may look squalid, considering this dude just said you committed regicide, you have a feeling this is probably the best of the best. Okay. Um, I start like just kind of like touching the walls, mm-hmm. trying to see if there's any kind of like something moves. Something like they feel smooth and even. Okay. Um, I saw a rat. Where did the rat go? A small hole by the chamber pot. Uh, I move the chamber pot aside. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else there? It sloshes. Yeah, you get a little sick to your stomach. Yeah. Um, and there's that hole. There's a small hole. Huh. Um, I try to. Bend down and try to see if I can look through that hole. It is completely dark. Oh. Um, you can see to the end of the hole. It doesn't go very far before it turns. Okay. Um. <laughs> I whisper, hello? <laughs> Mr. Rat, come back. You hear back. Hello? Are you the rat? Do you speak? What kind of a rat speaks? I'll have you know I've met many a speaking rat. Oh, God. Another <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Who are you? What are you waiting for? Did you kill a king? Because apparently I did. Oh. <laughs> you're the king slayer that's recently come in. I see. Ah, oh, well, that was my lucky day, let me tell you. My trial was due to be today. And yours superseded mine. Mine was delayed indefinitely. So, thanks. You're welcome. So, what? who are you? My name is Damon. Damon? How funny. <laughs> you won't get the joke. I'm... Oh, I forgot the name. Ketchy. <laughs> yes, it's hilarious. We have names. Yes, it's fine. So, do you know of any ways out of here? <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, the headsman's axe. Oh, That's a good one. I don't quite like that one. Outside of that... Only that guard you saw before. Baelish. Hmm. Baelish. Baelish Tomesman. Baelish Tomesman. What's that? That's a... <laughs> what if that's a nice, uh... Okay. Um, huh. Baelish Tomesman. So, <clears throat> do you know when my trial is supposed to be? <laughs> You're not good at listening, are you? No, I I was kind of, you know... This afternoon. I woke up and, uh... (laughs) It's when my trial was going to be. (laughs) Hi, I'm Damon. Uh, Damon. I'll repeat all of this conversation. (laughs) I don't care. I haven't had conversation in a while. (laughs) It might be dull conversation, but it's worth having. (laughs) Well, I'm going to keep looking for a way out. If I find anything... Yeah, good luck. I'll let you know. Okay. We're going to get out of here, Damon. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> he chuckles. All right. So I stand up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, no windows, just a big pulsing rune in the That's door. That's it. 
All right. Um, <laughs> look in the chamber pot. Anything weird out of place? It is full of feces and piss. All right. Cool. Uh, Not your feces or piss. (laughs) (laughs) Not mine. Fair enough. They don't like to change these that often. Um, The rune up there. All right. Let me me try something a little crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me see. What can I cast without any kind of... Uh, verbal semantic. So, I'm going to try to cast Eldritch Blast at the door. Nothing happens. Nothing. Except now, the circle pulsates brightly. How is it brighter than it did with just about the same luminescence? Okay. Um, and I'm going to mark this. I'm going to try to cast Burning Hands at the door. Okay. So, cast spell. Uh, does it... The circle pulses brightly and nothing happens. Does it seem brighter than the Eldritch Blast? No, it seems the exact same. Okay. Let me try one more thing. Uh, I'm going to imagine the in-room that I was in before. And I'm going to cast Dimension Door... <laughs> if Damon could see you he would have a quirky comment but he can't nothing happens the circle pulses the same luminescence just making sure just making sure if there's a limit to these things there's a level 4 spell (laughs) Um, you may roll a knowledge arcana check sure why not plus 5 alright Nope. Eight. Eight is enough. Oh. With that, how many times you've tried to do something, I think you know what this is. Oh, I know what it is. This is a permanent seed anti-magic field. There is no magic that can be cast within its radius, and no magic that can be cast through the sphere itself. It takes up the entirety of the room that you are in. Okay. Hmm. Okay, let me try. Let's see here. Can I see? Oh no, this is right here. The rat scurries in and looks for crumbs and scurries back out. Yeah. I hope you find something. I'm going to try to communicate with my fiendish patron. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying to reach out to him. I'm going to call him Ichnigrok. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> the most fiendish of fiendish patrons. <laughs> it's, just, it's all in my head. So, you know, Damon can't listen. <laughs> sure. It's like, Ichnigrok? Ichnigrok, are you there? Nothing? No direct... You don't... It's not how this works. <laughs> not, yo, bud, how's it going? Is it hanging well? Like that's not okay. how the contract works. But in terms of do you feel any type of response? Yeah. Um Yeah. You do. Really? When you communicate, um the rat comes back in and stares at you. Hey, Negrog, are you is that you? <laughs> the rat goes back into the hole. 
Oh, fair enough. The rat comes back out and stares at you. Do you want me to follow you, Ichnagrok? The rat goes back into the hole. I, I scurry down and look in the hole again. It's just a hole. Just a hole? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I stand back up. It's a pretty large hole. It's a large rat. I mean, it's not yeah. like large enough for your body, but yeah. probably get a hand in there. Sure. I, I, I reach a hand in there. Okay. Your hand goes in. Hey, do I feel anything? No. Grasp around, grabbing at things. Nothing. Scratching. All right. Nothing at all. Okay. Take my hand out. Okay. Is there anything on my hand? Nope. All right. <laughs> Even the gods would have you fend for yourself. You can only imagine what a demonic, fiendish patron would have you do. Yeah, but he wants me to do things for him. You're right, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> it's not. Um, crap. Hey. <laughs> Damn, I don't have anything, do I? Well, I am wearing a piece of cloth, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's what's it. left of your pride. Yeah. How much cloth is there? Not much. Not enough to keep your modesty, but just enough to keep your pride. Okay. Well, to hell with my pride. Um, I need to get out of here. Uh, I. Oof. So. I uh, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> For a barbarian, I would just push right <laughs> <laughs> Um If you were a barbarian, I would have set you up with just as many barbar anti barbarian <laughs> things. You'd have been strapped to the wall in mithril or something. Fair you know, enough. Like, it would Fair have been... enough. Um Let me see here. I You see a flame coming from the distance the torch is coming back towards oh, the well <laughs> there's Bailey. she stands there just staring at you hello again I heard your name was Baelish did your mother give you that name you just stare at you <laughs> continually doesn't look intimidated in the least oh well I'm not very intimidating right now I'm just a man in a cloth <laughs> I'm not sure you're a man Pretty sure I am. I think it's all still there. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, he just, time. he just stands there. He just stands there staring at you. He goes, <laughs> oh no. We have a couple hours yet. Oh, all right. I plan to relish this. Every second. So, now. He spits at you. Oh, well. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I had a bit of a question. Uh, so, regicide, the regicide, are you sure it was me? <laughs> I don't remember killing a king. I'll be honest what with you. What did I tell you about jokes? Yeah, I, I, I'm being honest with you, <laughs> Baelish. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll play this little game, this... Let's see. Was it you? Hmm. Found in the throne room. All right. The king's head in your hand. Mm. The bloody dagger at your side. I could see where you get that. And everybody else in the room slaughtered. All the attendants and all the other nobles. No way in or out except the entrance you went through. Hmm. 
Huh. Well, I could see why you'd believe it was me. Can I search my memory? Do I remember any of that? As he says this, yeah, you vaguely remember these sights. Huh. Huh. All right. Do I remember killing a king? You kind of remember, as he said, like I said, like it's, have you ever like, have you ever? It's like the uh, Mandela effect. Everyone believes something because like they keep repeating it. it, Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those things where like he says it so like you can picture it happening in your mind and your mind doesn't necessarily say that's completely false. Like it's like I sort of see that. But at the same time, something isn't isn't quite right. Mm. He says, and the only witness left alive, we have ready to testify. Okay, I'm surprised someone survived. Oh, remember your handiwork, do you? Take pride in your kill? No, no. I don't think there's much pride there. Well, well, if that's all the help you're going to be. I'm going to go back to my chamber pot. <laughs> no. In fact, the reason I came back is because, well, he wants to talk to you. The witness? Yeah, your supposed friend who thought he knew you. Oh. Well, lead the way. He turns to his side, and a human clad in just robes not much armor um has sunken in eyes looks like he hasn't slept um they're kind of red as if he's been crying uh he walks kind of slowly up behind Baelish and stands at the door and Baelish says if he tries anything I'll be right down the hall and he hands this man the torch (laughs) put my hands up in like an innocent gesture (laughs) and Baelish walks down the hall. This man stands there staring at you, just shaking his head. And he's just like, why? Why'd you do it? Ketchy, why? That's a great question. Who are you? She just goes, oh, you're this. I heard you were doing this amnesia thing. It's not going to save you. You've ruined everything. Everything. I looked up to you. Mm. Me. Yes, Your you. Your squire. You. <laughs> do you not know me at all? I can't say that I do, but then again, I don't remember a lot of things that I apparently may or may not have done. I'm Fulton. Fulton. Fulton, your squire. Yes, of course. Fulton. How's the wife and kids? <laughs> He just he just looks gives just the most disappointed look like you've ever seen anybody give as far as your memory is concerned, but your memory's not really reliable right now. <laughs> and he just sort of like he doesn't know what to say and he mm. comes up to the bars and he just sort of like looks at you and he just like as if he's he just wants something. And then out of like make a perception check. Sure. Two. Two. Okay. <laughs> I'm not rolling well. I don't like this die. 
I'll be honest. This D20 is not. You can swap it out. Swap it out. Swap it out. Roll another perception check. I'll give you advantage because you're staring right at him. Okay. It's a blue one. There you go. There we go. Yeah. 11. 11. Just then, for a hint of a second, the barest hint, you see a smile sort of twitch out of the one corner of his mouth, and he slams his head right against the bars, cracks his skull open. There's blood everywhere. Help! Help! Baelish! He's trying to kill me! <laughs> Baelish comes running over, and he just ticks out his sword. He points it at you, and you just feel searing hot pain. Make a... a uh, a constitution saving throw, please. Ooh. Constitution. Ooh, nat 20. Okay. <laughs> Despite the pain, you kind of grit your teeth and work through it, but it is horrible. Like, you have to, like, bite on your own tongue as a, just a diversionary pain just to not feel the searing blaze as the magic circle above you just comes to life, this brilliant red and violet hue, and you just feel horrible as he points this sword, which is flaming towards you. And it's not fire you're feeling, but it is pain. He says, step back! You will not take another! And he, he pulls him out, and he says, I knew this was a bad idea. He's He's gone mad. He wipes his blood from his hand, and... You see the barest hint of a smile as he gets taken away from Baelish, and Baelish brings him to safety. What a butthole. <laughs> All right. That was a thing. <sighs> There's a lot to enter. A lot to, a lot to digest there. <laughs> so he might have something to do with this. Mm. Fulton? Fulton. 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 <laughs> Say, Damon, you to get a load of that guy. <laughs> you don't hear anything. Oh. D- Damon? You there, buddy? No response. Huh. Oh. <laughs> I go back to the hole. Yeah? I go, Damon, are you there? No response. Huh. That's weird. Where Damon went. Well then, what to do? What to do? Is some of his blood still on the uh, the bar? Very little bit, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What can I do with that? I'm a warlock, not evil. <laughs> <laughs> I can drink it. Sustenance. Let me put this way: Is there anything else you're going to try before the afternoon's trial? Because there is potentially things you could do. Okay. It's just whether or not you know to do them. Oh. But I also don't want to linger if it's no, going to go nowhere. Um, I do try to get some of the blood off the bar. Okay. Um, Onto a little loincloth? Yeah. Yeah, you get some on there. Um, that looks like you pissed some blood. Oh, <laughs> well, I actually did. Uh, I didn't want to wipe it. Uh, I wanted to grab it. Grab uh, it? Well, not grab it, but just get it on my hand. Okay, it's on your hand. Um, and then take a piece of my loincloth. Mm-hmm. Try to write the symbol of Ichnagrok mm-hmm. and try to like focus on that as kind of like a means of like trying to get something out of him. As you do that, the rat comes back in and looks at you <laughs> and waits. Saying, Welcome back. Do you want a taste? The <laughs> rat comes back into the hole. <laughs> the rat comes back out and looks at you. <laughs> I'm going to strangle you, Dave. <laughs> 
Uh, I try to catch the rat. Uh, it gets away like the berry. We'll make a dexterity save. Yeah, let's, well, let's, 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 let's role play. Let's, let's, let's get a little let's D&D play. in here. Yeah. Uh, 13. <laughs> yeah, you catch it. All right. It guts you. It bites your hand. Ah, you piece of shit. <laughs> Take uh, two points of damage. Right. It's going to bite you again. Is it? <laughs> Hold on. You hold on, you. It's just, it's not. It's a rat and it is terrified. Let's get out of here. I throw it to the ground. It stops. It looks at you. It goes to the ball. It comes back. It looks at you. All right. I go, I go towards it. Uh huh. And it goes to the hole. It goes in the hole. Reach my hand back into the hole again. Okay. Your hand is in the hole. Okay. Um, I don't feel if... I try to summon my pack blade. Your pack blade summons to your hand. Yes! Yes! It's like, all right. And I pull my hand out. Your pack blade is there. Oh. It is a material thing now. (laughs) All right. I can do something with this, maybe. Okay. How much coverage do I have? Enough to cover a pack blade. <laughs> I sneak the pack blade into my loincloth. And you look well endowed. <laughs> That'll show him. I've got something down here for him. <laughs> All right. Um, do anything else you'd like to do? Let me see if I have anything else I can do. Well done, sir. Yeah, well, well. <laughs> um, no, I can't make any other movements. So, I wait with uh, with my my little friend. <laughs> the rat does not come back. No, I'm not talking about the rat. I'm talking about the pack blade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I whisper a silent. Thank you. <laughs> Time seems to crawl. What could be a minute seems like an hour. What seems like an hour seems like a day. And it just never quite ends until finally it's time. Oh. Baelish walks up, taps on the bars. They part slightly. You feel your whole body go rigid. Please make a wisdom saving throw. Not my best. So close. You feel your body stand up, though you're not in control of it, and walk to the door, at which you are immediately put into shackles, the shackles behind your back. Well, heavy iron shackles. And you are forcibly led out of the room, and eventually through chambers and catacombs, up flights of stairs, until you hit daylight. And daylight is like a piercing thing. Your eyes are so accustomed to the dark... That right now, it's just this bright light is torture to your eyes. It takes a good couple minutes for your eyes to recover. Mm-hmm. You hear, though, immediately the crowds. Just huge crowds all around. And you see all of a sudden people just yelling at you, cursing your name. 
there are crude drawings of you being headless and an axeman near you and just all the worst things that a basic mob in any scene of any movie of any right. book would do. Pitchforks? Pitchforks, rotten fruit, rotten all veggies. Right, cool. The works. Basic crowd. <laughs> You're led up onto a stage of sorts at which you are forced down to your knees and the chain that is attached to your shackles is then bolted to the ground on a loop. So you can't move for the most part from where you are. In front of the stage is, you see, you're in sort of like an amphitheater of sorts. Mm -hmm. And where the audience would be sitting in the amphitheater, instead there are, there's just scattered groups of nobles in a very select pattern. And you know this to be the um, uh, ruling judgment body of the city of Portelson. Hmm. These are the people that are like, it's like the Supreme Court of Portelson that you are in front of right now. And the current acting judge, who is dead center, uh, takes a hand and you just hear a thunderous crash. Like, as if an actual lightning bolt had struck without the actual lightning. Wow. And everybody stops talking and he puts his hand down. And his voice booms without any... It's a wizard judge? Such, well, <laughs> not a wizard. Okay. Close. Cleric. Cleric judge, yes. Um, His voice booms from some magical way. And he says, Let it be commenced... The trial of Ketchy for regicide of King Regis, second of his name. Everybody quietly says, aye, 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 aye. He says, be seated. And the judges all sit. He sits down as well. The crowd, you don't hear a pin drop. And everybody's eyes are focused on you. Baelish is maybe a foot away standing. He does not remove his eyes from you. The judge says, please state your name for the records. <clears throat> Catchy. Good. He says, Catchy, are you aware of the charge against you? I do believe you just said regicide. Are you aware of the possible consequence should you be found guilty and they all kind of look at each other like this, knowing like, yeah, should you be found guilty? Which is really when you are found guilty. But they all look at you anyway and say, should you be found guilty? Do you understand the consequences? I've been told that I might have to, uh, uh, a pound of flesh perhaps, maybe a little off the top. <laughs> are you aware of... All evidence we have against you. Now that I'm a bit curious about, so I'm going to say no. We heard the screams. We came, and there you were, our king's head in your hands, a smile across your face, blood all over. All the rest of the court and nobles dead around you. What's more, what more does there need to be? And one, one poor lonely soul hidden in the corner. This man, and he brings 
out Fulton, who's like shaking as he kind of like gets to the stage. And he looks at you and he sort of recoils a little bit and sort of like rubs his forehead and everybody just sort of murmurs a little bit when they see the forehead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Rubble, 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 rubble. He says, Who's this man who saw you slay these people and the king? We have an eyewitness testimony. Are you aware of this evidence? You have made it apparent. It was mostly a rhetorical question. Yes, you asked. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Hmm. <laughs> Do I have anything to say? Someone screams, Tell them to keep the axe sharp. It'll help. And there's a quick chuckle. <laughs> we have a jokester in the crowd. <laughs> don't, don't quit your day job. <laughs> I am a comedian. Interrupted. This is my day job. <laughs> I'm a jester. What's going on with those executions? <laughs> What's the deal with caravans? <laughs> and tieflings, am I right? Uh, um... What do I have to say? What does Jengis have to say? <laughs> what does Ketchy have to say? Ketchy's a sarcastic motherfucker. He would make a joke. He thought it would be funny. Darkly funny. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm sure there's a solution to this. But I just can't think of it right now. So you say nothing? No, I'm going to say something stupid and witty. (laughs) No, not that. Um, Do I go for something like, kind of like... uh... (laughs) I didn't vote for it. Your poor-tasted joke gets a backhand from Baelish, as you say. To which the judges sort of look and kind of calm him down, because clearly he shouldn't be hitting you. But nobody is even going to bother charging him with a crime. And just as the ruling judge is about to continue on and say something, you hear a scream from the audience. And everybody sort of stops and looks. And as you turn your head, you watch as someone drops to the ground. Then all of a sudden, another person in a completely different part of the crowd screams and drops. And another person screams and drops. Then all of a sudden, you're in complete and total darkness. And it is not a darkness you can see through. And you feel something blunt and heavy hit you in the back of the head. Please roll a constitution saving throw. 16. You manage to keep your wits about you for half a second longer than most, but unfortunately do end up falling right out. Damn. You wake up. And when you wake up, you are no longer at the podium, no longer at the stage. You are no longer in a cell. You are in a richly adorned room full of wonderful tapestries, wines, gold, riches beyond measure. You are laying on the floor... By a desk, sitting at the desk at which is a finely dressed half-elf with a black goatee, beautiful boots, beautiful clothes all around, a wonderful red velvet cape, 
a devilish smile, and he says, I'm Anton. You work for me now. And that is where we're going to end our little quickie one-shot for now. How interesting. Yeah! Kind of a setup for more to come. Yeah. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is our quickie (laughs) one-shot. That's, and that's right. That was quick for D and D. Yeah, right. Um, so many questions. Yeah. What happened to Catchy? Who's Anton? What was going on with Fulton? <laughs> Why did Baelish have a real hard on for trying to kill me? Uh, that's easy. You killed the king. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Why is Catchy so sarcastic? <laughs> Why is everything a joke? To um, yeah, I ran. Uh, I'm glad I didn't tell you much about it because I actually ran Rocco through something similar as that. Oh. Um, very different, though, the way that one. I, different, slightly different plot. Started the same. Woke up, found out he committed regicide. Somebody else did it. But in that particular um, uh, one shot or module, um, he found out because we ended up playing like a second or third game of that storyline. Um, it was different how his little. Like, you know... How it all happened. How his little dude came in and stuff. Um, and that, I, I was very careful the way I did that. I tiptoed with it. And that was uh, uh, a a split personality. Oh. So... It's going to be a little bit different It wasn't me. him. It was like this other person who he was seeing. It was, it was Fight Club. Uh. It was Tyler Durden. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he... Here's this unassuming dude that thought like everything was cool and then all of a sudden finds out that there's this other thing that is him. Okay. And but he didn't know. He's been chasing him and finding clues and talking to him and I was very careful about the way I set that up so I could pull that little fight club maneuver. Clearly that is not the case here. This this Fulton exists. <laughs> um but just for him, that was his resolution or, you know. Interesting. Plot. Yeah. Can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Tune in. In a couple months, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll revisit. If uh, it's a slow month, maybe next month. Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on, our next section of board games. Yes. The board games that we are going to review this month. Yes. Uh, first, we have, I believe we have do. three. three? Um, you want to do all three? Yeah. You can save one. Nah. Let's uh, do them all. They're all worth it. <laughs> all right. Uh, you want to start with the simplest one? Sure. I don't know what that is because they're all pretty simple. Um, let's start. We literally picked. That's why I want to do all three of them because they're very three very simple games. Fair enough. So we'll do. Um, we'll save the retro one for last. Okay. As per normal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, we normally do retro first, don't we? Yeah. I don't do, know. Do. It's been so long since we had a retro game that I almost feel like I've forgotten well, our format. It's not really a retro game though. But it is. We'll start with it. Okay. Clue. Yes. That's right. All that buildup was for Clue. Now, <laughs> granted, we talked briefly about Clue in, I think it was episode two or like three, Murder which was Murder with Friends. With friends. Yes. Um, but we're revisiting Clue. The reason why we're revisiting Clue is um, I was bought as a gift. I'm a fan, as Jengis used to be and still sort of is a fan of the show. I'm still a fan. You just haven't watched it, though. I don't. So how can you call yourself a fan? Because I still like the characters and the universe. Okay. Supernatural. <laughs> Um, I know, lame CW show, right? We get Please. it. Please, no, but- you shut up. It's a great show. All right, <laughs> it was for the first five seasons. No, then it it's gets still it- amazing. Then it gets iffy for about five seasons, and then decent for two more. Every single time, um, me and Dave are like, "How can they keep going?" They do. They do. They find a way. <laughs> uh, 
I was bought, my mother bought me Clue the Supernatural Edition. Actually, believe it or not, bought me it because of Murder with Friends. Oh. She listened to that episode of the podcast, and I mentioned that I didn't own Clue. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And so she bought me Clue. That's um, funny. So anyway, this is Supernatural Clue, though. Now, you're like, well, what's different outside of the thematic elements? Clearly, the thematic elements are the characters, are, you know, your Supernatural characters. You watch it, it's, you know, uh, Sam and Dean. Castiel. Uh, Castiel, Bobby, Crowley, uh, Charlie, and, and... That's it. Is that it? Is that yeah, all of them? Oh, um, well, you know, they take over the roles of, you know, Professor Plum and, you know, Mrs. White and so forth and so on. Um the weaponry is all supernatural related weaponry. Yes, you have it is. the revolver. I guess they couldn't use Colt. Colt may be trademarked. Probably so. not. Um, the horseman, the four horseman rings. The first uh, blade. First blade, demon tablet, John Winchester's journal, and Ruby's knife, which I guess is supposed to be the demon which killing is, knife. I guess. Um, and then the locations are all just different Places U.S. locations in, yeah. um, that they've been to often. Regions of the U.S., I should say. Um it plays the same way as normal Clue. Uh, you know, you, you go to these rooms or, you know, in this case, these locations. In the location, you can make a guess of the location that you're at. You um, can pull things in and, and all that. You, yeah. And you pull things in with you and slowly but surely you determine who done it and with what and where. The twist here, though is in this version, and I'm assuming in different versions they have different twisty rules, but there's a separate deck of cards in this called Intrigue Cards, mm-hmm. um, which adds a different element to the game. That's one different element. The Intrigue Cards, what they do is each one is either a demon or an action. The demons, there's eight of them in total. Every time one comes out, you set it aside. If ever the eighth demon is drawn, whoever drew the eighth demon immediately loses the game. Puts all of their clue cards face up so the, so the whole board now sees their hand and can knock all those clues off their list. And they are out of the game. And then that eighth demon card gets shuffled back into whatever's left of the intrigue deck. And if it's drawn again by somebody, they lose the game. So forth and so on. The rest of the cards are action cards. Action cards can be anything from... It might give you more movement. It might send you to a location. It might allow you to make an extra guess. Yeah, extra guess. Um, So they do just different things. And some action cards are played immediately. Some you can hold on to. That's the first variable of this new version. The second variable is that the characters themselves have um, powers that you can yes, use. Yes, they have one-turn powers. One, one once use, per game, Yes, powers. Um, stuff like, you know, Castiel can move to any location for the most part. Um, Crowley can move twice, you know, demon mist. Right. So, all in all, um, we wanted to just kind of revisit it with the spicing it up. They're, they're, they're spicing it up a little bit. Yeah. How does it stack a up? Parmigiano Reggiano. Um, I like the differences. I think it still needs... Clue is still a game, even with the differences, that I think to be the most fun and successful requires a a large group of people. If you can max that game out, I think it will be the most fun. I think so, too. Uh, I do like the little differences, though. It's nice to have like that little edge. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a risk-reward kind of thing, because you can stop on an intrigue space and get an intrigue card. Mm-hmm. Um, inquiry, intrigue. 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 Um, and, you know... It might be a demon, but it might be a card that lets you guess twice, which is pretty powerful if you think about it, mm-hmm. especially since this is a free guess. Definitely. Um, you know. And it's not just to guess where you are. The one that Jengis got allowed him to guess 
Anything. Any location, any weapon, any person. So, I mean, it's really just, it's different. Yeah, but it, I like it. It was a good different, a though. A good different. Mm-hmm. Change the pace of the game. Um, That's it. Like I said, three simple games, quick reviews. Yeah. Clue. I, thumb, thumbs up. Thumbs for, up. For spicing Clue up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, thumbs up for Supernatural Clue. Yeah. Um, moving on, the next simple game that we're going to review is is a game that Jangus brought called... Deck Building the Deck Building Game. Yeah, which is <laughs> a deck building game about building a a deck like as in like the platform that you would go on outside of yes. your house <laughs> um comes with a total of 28 cards um you get uh the players get three apiece yep. and then the rest are shuffled up into uh two piles it's a two player game it's a two player game um and the idea is you are going to be drawing cards based on uh, a spending a limit, which is has to do with a number of screws that you have, and it's, that's determined yeah, by the cards. That's right. Um, you're going to be building your deck. Um, you're going to be uh, trying to make your deck permanent by staining it. Yep. Or you're going to be messing with the other person's deck by building over their cards. The only mm-hmm. time you can't build over their cards is if they've already stained those cards. And there's minutiae to those rules, but that's the basic rule of the yeah, game. There's like a bonuses for the, the 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 primary goal is to make a deck with a lot of matching pieces. Because, Synergy. Because if they're all connected and they're all matching, you get multipliers. And that adds on to your score in the end. Right. And the scoring um, is is very simple. It's based on number of screws times the number, number of, of chains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it was fast. It only took, I'd say, fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's a fifteen-minute game. It's a quick little, little, like little, uh, just a little something, a palate cleanser, so to speak. Yeah. Um, if there's two people playing, something doing the in between. If two people yeah. like knocked out of or a different just, game, or it's like you know we're waiting for people to show up. Hey, let's play a quick round of deck building the deck building game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, that, that makes Jengus just you know chuckle every time. It does. The title is <laughs> like, ah, oh, these clever bastards. <laughs> um, deck love, building, the deck building. I love me some wordplay. Um, but uh, all in all, uh, like I said, I like a good simple game. Very small. It's like not even bigger than my hand. Really, um, you could put it in a bag. You could bring with you. Um, the the tiles are you know the, the design is fine it's planks you know it's planks and railings and stairs mm-hmm. um there's a bit of counterplay involved that you can put some like lower value planks on someone's higher value planks but they could build over those but those are wasted turns uh all in all i really enjoy this game uh i got it as a gift so mm-hmm. I even buy it so it's even better <laughs> i you know i'm i'm mixed I, I said to Jengus after he played it, I don't know if I'm a big fan of uh, deck building the deck building game. While it is something I'd probably play again just to kind of like, you know, kill time. Because um, it is something, like Jengus said, it's something you just take out and kill time with. I It's not a game where I'm like, there are other two-player games like Lunch Money or Beer Money where I'd be like, let's play that and kill some time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a game I want to play. Yeah. Deck building, I don't know. It's I think for me, the biggest thing is that so the scoring is based on synergy. Mind you, maybe I should have played my game more aggro, and I should have been roughing up your stuff more. Yeah, he let me build um, up a nice, shiny, high-value I mean, deck. no, I did do some maneuvers, yeah. probably more than you did on me. But Jengus just had better synergy with higher cards. Now, the thing is, is that you don't know when you're spending 
uh, when you're purchasing new materials, you don't know what those materials are. And there is, at first I thought that there was a, a pattern to the material. For instance, I thought if you're going to buy a four-screw item, which is a lot of screws in, in terms of purchasing, um, that you, it would be like a very high-quality wood. And that like a one-screw item would always be like, you know, lousy wood. Yeah. That's not the case. No. Sometimes you'll buy something that seems really high and get something really low or vice versa. So that element of chance made the game difficult not because of strategy but because if your luck is poor, it's just not going to work out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um it's too heavily reliant on luck. Yeah. And, I mean, most card games are. But, like, to some degree, magic is always based on luck. Yeah. But it's also very, like, I plan a strategy to where odds are in my favor. And it's not like I don't know what I'm going to draw. Like, I, there's cards in the deck and I know what the possibilities are. And it's just a different type of luck. This is, like, literally... Blind luck. It is literally blind luck. I mean, there's some little bit of knowing. Like, ones and twos, you kind of know what you're going for. Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, that's that's the game. You only draw three cards. If you have a big deck, you you might not even draw the cards you want. You might just draw a lot of nothing. And then you don't get, like, high-value cards, so you can't buy a lot of stuff. Right. It's, uh, yeah. I would play it again, though. But... You know, uh, I, I like I said, I got his gift. Uh, <laughs> so for you, it's two thumbs up. It's not, no, not two thumbs up. I would say it's it's, a, it's like a a tepid thumbs up. Like a, I would rather play other games, but I'm not going to complain if I have to play this. I one. would give it one thumb down and one thumb like coliseum style yeah. to the side, like <laughs> wavering, not knowing which direction it's going to go. Yeah. Um, but definitely one thumb down for sure. Yeah. I, I, it's just not like I said. There, I would. There are better ways to spend ten dollars than deck building the deck building game. Yeah, <laughs> there I, are better board games to get for ten dollars. Speaking of which, Wild Pig, hey, just inherited a collection of sealed board games from somebody. I walked in there. How I found out is I walked in there and they had a whole stock of lunch money and beer money. Oh my god! And I was like, they still make this? And and the uh, one of the gentlemen there, Bill, was like. Uh, probably not, but we inherited a collection, and they're selling. They were selling it for like twelve bucks. I was really tempted to buy another set. That's but, funny. Yeah. Um, so now to our third game. Yeah, the third of that. Once again, deck building, simple game. So third simple game, Stonehenge. Yes, one game of Stonehenge. Yes, one of the. Okay, so we should explain. Yes. First, I should say that I bought Stonehenge at Stonehenge. You don't have to buy Stonehenge at Stonehenge. <laughs> Are you sure? But yeah, but I was at. I went to London. Uh, and then while I was in England, we went over to Stonehenge and I wanted to buy something. I bought two things, a hat that I'm actually wearing on my head right now that says, you know, Stonehenge established in like, you know, (laughs) 30 million BC, 3000 BC. Thank you. I can't see the hat right now. It's okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's really only 3000. That's sad. I thought it was more than that. Yeah, it is. It does say 3000. Um, wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I guess. 3 million BC would be a lot different. I give Stonehenge more credit than it deserves. I suppose so. Um, it's just ancient and mystical in my mind. <laughs> it's forever. It's cock. Um, so I was at Stonehenge and I got the hat, but I was like, what do I buy at Stonehenge? And Paizo made a Stonehenge game. Published. and Well, yeah, published a Stonehenge game. And I was just like, 
Paizo, the Pathfinder people, <laughs> board game, me, the, <laughs> and I bought Stonehenge because I was like, that's the perfect thing for me, who as who I am to buy a, a buy a board game. Now, mind you, I paid full retail value for it and probably could have gotten it cheaper off of Amazon. And wouldn't have had to bring it back with me on the plane. But hey, support your local Stonehenge. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> I I will gladly. The, the proceeds do go to Stonehenge. Oh well, there you go. Um, and I was just like, you know what? This is this is the perfect souvenir for me. I'll never not. There's no way I won't remember where I got this board game. <laughs> so anyway, that that aside, Stonehenge comes with five or six different. I believe it's six play styles, game like variants. Games. Yeah, like not it's, even variants because that would imply that there was a one solid base yeah, on which to variate. It's on. different. It's <laughs> the same pieces, six and, games. And, but it's six games in one. There you go. All called Stonehenge, but and each revolving around Stonehenge, but each played a different way. Some with different pieces. Some that don't, don't even use pieces that you have. Um, we played a version created by none other than Richard Garfield, yes. the creator of Magic the Gathering. Yes. We figured if we like magic, we're probably going to like his game. His game was a bluffing game. Yeah. Where you had to, uh, essentially you had to, you change the time of day and then that there, increased. There were day cards and night cards. Yes. If it was With, nighttime, night cards were more powerful. If it was daytime, day cards were more yes, powerful. Yes, they, were, they would be the trump. So they would, and if you played like a one of the day and day is trump, it supersedes anything of night. Right. Um, the lowest day will always supersede the night if it is daytime and vice versa. So when you play a card, you then compare it against everyone else's. If your card is the highest, you get to place your piece on the board. Next to the corresponding number. Um, so the, then uh, you, then you take those cards, you discard them, and then you draw another. Well, no, you don't draw another. You play again. Um, and then... <laughs> Certain things happen that just sort of eventually make it so the your hand refills and you draw new cards yeah. and you can change times of day really, and you can mulligan. The, the, and, the reason it's a bluffing game is you want to make sure your opponents don't know how good or bad your hand is. Right. And you want to be able to play off of it appropriately. Because if you play a card that's lower than someone else's, you have a piece on the board, you take you so you lose that many spaces on the clock down. Yeah. And if it goes all the way down to zero, you remove that piece from the board. And you want to have I think there's like six, six pieces yeah. you have. You want, six pieces. you want to get six pieces on there twice. The first time you get the six pieces on there, you buy you build one of the trithalons yeah. or whatever they're called. That's one of the pieces of Stonehenge. You you build a piece of Stonehenge and then if you have six pieces on the board and you've already built that piece, you've won. So essentially you need to get six pieces on there twice yeah. to win. Which is not very easy, but no. Dave did trounce us. Twice. Uh, twice. <laughs> Two uh, games. Yeah. <laughs> Second game, probably much worse than the first game. <laughs> but all in all, it was fun. I would play it again. I would, I like, would play that version I, again for sure. I would like to play with more people. Um, yeah, me too. And also, perhaps in the future, we will review the rest of Stonehenge. We'll probably revisit this a couple times. Yeah, or, you know, depending on how often we play and how many times. But for the Richard Garfield version of Stonehenge, uh, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yeah. Well, that kind of uh, concludes this podcast. Episode, yeah. yeah. It was quite um, the... 
We look forward to the Pain in the Assathon, which is right. coming up again mm-hmm. um, in August. You can find what's the exact date? Do you know it? August tenth uh, and eleventh, sixth. I think tenth and eleventh. I think like fifth and sixth. All right, you're probably right. Pretty sure it's like fifth and sixth because <laughs> it's like I'm coming back from Ocean City. Yes. So I, th- I mean, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, that's a happy, that's a happy wrong. <laughs> um, but if I'm right, well then. Well then, awesome. I, I'm trying to look um, it up right but now. But we'll get the exact date for you in just a moment. But anyway, this year's uh, Petathon, um, as always, as last year, the proceeds of donations are going towards the fifth to sixth. Fifth to sixth is t- 10 a.m. to 10 a.m. 24 hours. Proceeds going to the Colon Cancer Alliance. Yes, um, to help fund research and um, cures for colon cancer. Jengis and I are going to be running The Lion King for SNES. That's right. Um, it's known to be quite a notorious game, notoriously difficult game. But uh, I, I used to, I used to kind of rip through it all the yeah. time. It's one of those games I played all so the time. It's going to be. We'll pass off. Uh, Grant, it doesn't mean that I'm good at it now. That's true. But I mean, I, I at least probably have a pretty good bearing <laughs> as to how to play. It might just be a lot of me getting frustrated and dying, and then Dave just breezing through the level. Yeah, all <laughs> the games of the Peterthon, obviously, as the, as as per our little joke, um, are going to be pain in the ass games, yeah. but. Please tune in. Our time slot, I believe, as of right now, preliminarily, is 10 p.m. to midnight. Um, it's a two-hour time slot that you get to see us try and beat the Lion King. Um, this is the old-school video game, so you know if we die more than the lives that we have and we don't have any continues, you might see us start all over again from scratch a couple <laughs> well, times. One can only hope we won't get that far. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Anywho, uh, look out for it, enjoy it, and please, please, please tune in and donate. Yes, we'll make sure to blow up social media when it comes around the time. Uh, Which we've probably, if you've been watching, we've already been doing. Yes. But um, if you haven't been, well, it's coming. Uh, and that's all for uh, for, for August. Yeah. So Have a nice August, everyone. Yeah, game on. Keep it coming. Yeah. See you later. Peace. Peace.